Well, good morning, church. Welcome back to our online stream. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you, team, uh, for leading us into worship, the worship of Jesus this morning. We're back in Mark's gospel. We've been in in uh, in Mark now for nine weeks, um, and this we've called this series "Jesus Explored It" because we're just exploring with Mark who this Jesus is, who this Jesus is. We're going to be in Mark for about, I think, three or four more weeks. Um, We're not going to finish the book, but we're going to get up to that critical question uh, at the end of chapter 8, where Jesus asks his disciples, he gives them the kind of the test, who do you say that I am? So that's where we're headed. We're in Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 30. So if you have uh, your Bible, either a paper copy or a device, why don't you open it now? And so you can follow along. I'll read uh, sections of it as we go and make some comments along the way. But before I do that, I want to pray and ask God to help us to hear and understand so that we might obey and enjoy his word uh, today. So join with me and pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word never changes. Thank you that your word is a, is a tool that does surgery on our hearts, that makes us more like you, that helps us to know who you are, that we might worship you, that we might enjoy you, that we might do your will. So Lord, come and have your way. Um, speak through me and, and, and help us together as your people to listen well today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mark chapter 6, the bulk of the passage that we're going to read from verse 30 up to verse 56, the contents is going to be Jesus, what you might call Jesus' most famous miracle. Jesus' most famous miracle. It's the one where he takes just a few small items, a few small loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he prays over them and multiplies them and ends up feeding thousands and thousands of people with just a few small pieces of food. Now, why do I say this is Jesus' most famous miracle? Well, it is the only miracle other than Jesus' resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. So you'll find this story in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And we're in Mark's version this morning. In John's version, just to let you know, uh, he includes this miracle as one of the seven great signs uh, that Jesus does to show people who he is, that people might know him and come to believe in him, and by believing in him that they might have life in his name. So I think this is Mark's purpose for including this miracle as well, that you might know Jesus, that you might come to believe in him, and that by believing uh, you might have life in his name. So with that in mind, I also want to tie this section in with a passage, a very familiar passage in the Old Testament. In fact, one of the most famous of the Psalms that I think will give us some good background, kind of provide a a frame for the picture, if you like, as we go through uh, this story. This is Psalm 23. It's the Psalm where David, who is a shepherd, uh, compares God, his God, to a shepherd of his soul. So let me read this very these very familiar words um, and give you this frame, and then we'll jump into Mark 6. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He, he leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is what Mark wants us to see. Jesus is the Lord, our shepherd. Jesus is the Lord, our shepherd. 
He's the good shepherd. I referred to that from John chapter 10 last week. Jesus called himself the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Now, why David, uh, I've said this before, why he talks about God being a shepherd is that he himself was a shepherd. That's what he did uh, for a job. And he was also, he also considered himself to be like a sheep, one who was led and cared for by God as his shepherd. Um, let me read now the beginning of Mark chapter 6, and with, that, with this frame in mind uh, of us being shepherded uh, by Jesus, and see if you can see the connections um, that, that, that Jesus is making here. Mark chapter 6, starting verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. Verse 32, so they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. And they ran on foot from all the towns and they arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach many things. So here's the setting. This is right after the apostles have finished their sort of missionary adventure. He sent them out on this ministry tour, told, telling them to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to cast out demons and heal people, which they did. Mark uh, calls them here in verse 30, the apostles. It's the second time this word apostles shows up in Mark, and it's in both instances, it's connected to them being sent out to do something uh, by Jesus. That's what the word uh, means. Last week, we saw that Jesus sent them out to preach and perform miracles, and so now here they are in verse 30. They're back from their trip, and they're giving the, you know, the highlight reel of everything that they had done, giving the good report. Um, these were just a bunch of ordinary men, and, and, and they'd just been, they'd been casting out demons, doing some of the same works that Jesus had done. So you'd think that they'd be pretty stoked, and they, they were. If you read this same account over in Luke's gospel, Luke says that they returned with joy. And that's exactly the mood here. They are so excited. They're so happy to tell Jesus the good news of everything that they had done um, uh, in his name. But you know what? Jesus doesn't just give him a pat on the, the back and go, man, you guys did awesome. Can't wait to send you out again. That's not what he does. He, he says, you know what you guys need right now? You need to rest. Let's get away for, for, for a weekend. Let's go to a remote spot, have a, you know, just have a boys camping weekend, and it's going to be great because that's what you need right now. You need some downtime. You need some time with me. Um, Stop and think about, though, the, for a minute, the opportunities they'd be missing out on. I mean, they, they could have used that weekend to go out and continue preaching and continue healing, but that's not what they needed at the moment. They needed to get away and eat. And Jesus is the good shepherd who feeds his sheep. Here, quite literally. Jesus uh, isn't a shepherd who cares only, though, about those closest to him, like his own inner circle, his own disciples. He came to seek and save people who were lost from everywhere, lost sheep from all around the place. And so here's how this plays out in this particular account. You, you know, they, they get in the boat and they go to this, their, their, their remote camping spot. And, uh, but then it, they find when they land that there's all these people that knew where they were going and they, they ran so fast that they, they beat the boat there, which is pretty 
that they're pretty eager uh, to be with Jesus and to be where he was. And, and they needed stuff from Jesus. It's interesting that people here weren't there asking him to heal them or to cast out demons. They seemed to just want to be with him and hear his words, which is what they needed. And so Jesus gives them what they need. He teaches them, it says, many things. The disciples didn't get their meal straight away, and the crowd certainly didn't get the meal straight away. And I think that's instructive for us because God sometimes lets our stomachs be empty or our bank accounts be empty or our schedules be empty um, or our emotional energy tanks be empty so that we learn to fill ourselves on his words and time spent with him more than those other things. This is really the point of you know, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where, where we read, He humbled you, this is God humbled you, by letting you go hungry. Why? Well, then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And see, the words that Jesus spoke were, were direct from the mouth of God. He was feeding them with his words. That's what the Good Shepherd does. He feeds us. He feeds his close family. He feeds the crowds with food that lasts, his words. And that food won't just nourish our cells, but nourishes our our souls and enables us to do God's will. So Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who gives us what we need. He is uh, the Good Shepherd who feeds his close family and the crowds. And in so doing, we get exactly what we need. Now, Psalm 23, verse 1, let me read that again. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Or in other translations, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I lack nothing. But then in your experience and mine, we, we're sometimes, we're not different from the crowds. We lack stuff. We, there are things that we need. Um, you know, sometimes what, what, what we need is, is just a quiet moment. But then... The kids won't stop arguing. Or or, or maybe you've had too many quiet moments lately and what you need is to be out with friends, but then everything is shut. You need cash, but payday isn't until tomorrow. You need information, but the Wi-Fi is down. And it's easy to just focus on everything that we lack because really there are people, um, sorry, I should say it's easy to kind of dismiss or scoff at the things we lack because there are people that lack so much more. And we can say, oh, these are just first world problems, right? We've got it pretty good. So we should just maybe shut up and get over it. But notice Jesus as the good shepherd never treats people that way. He never treats people that way. Jesus sees what people need. And he gives them, not necessarily what they want, but what they need. Your good shepherd, Jesus, will always respond to you. He doesn't scoff at your needs even if you don't really know what you need. He doesn't scoff. He doesn't dismiss. He doesn't write off. He gives you what you need. Let's go on in the text, starting at verse 35. And here's the the miracle. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? 
He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. What is it that the disciples wanted here in this scene? I think they wanted their boys' weekend back. They'd been interrupted by the crowds. They wanted to be alone, just hanging out with Jesus and, and each other. And they're men, so they probably wanted food. So they asked Jesus to, you know, all these randoms, just send them away, send them back to their homes, let them go get some food, let them go hit up the local pub, and let's get back to our weekend. But Jesus has something else entirely different in mind. He says, guys, I'm not going to send them to the pub. You, you're going to feed them. And they're like, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, we don't, that's not in the budget. You know, 200 denarii, that's like 200 days worth of, of pay for a job back in the day. So if, if they were like on a minimum wage job, that'd be a, the rough equivalent of $30,000. That's their, well, that's what they estimate it would cost to feed the, this crowd. What did the crowds want? What did they want? They, I'm sure they did want food. I'm not, like they were hungry. Um, but that's not why they were there. Remember, they ran because they wanted Jesus. They wanted to be with him. Now, Jesus wasn't obligated to feed them, to fill their stomachs, but he did. He did. Remember what he's trying to do. He's, he's, he's not trying to meet as many physical needs as possible before the clock runs out. Otherwise, he would never rest. He would never be taking breaks. And we see him resting and spending time with his disciples. He, he has a purpose in everything he does. There's a reason behind it. And the purpose here and always throughout is that the disciples and the crowds might come to have faith in him, that they might come to believe, that they might come to know his heart. After he tells the disciples to go, you know, take stock of how much food they've got sitting around, um, which was pretty minimal, uh, he tells the people to sit down on the grass in groups. It, It reminds us of Psalm 23 again, doesn't it? Verse 2, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Jesus is the shepherd. He's leading the sheep to what they need. Now, the disciples, they wanted time with Jesus, and, and the crowds wanted time with Jesus. And he gives it to them over a meal of bread and fish straight from, from heaven. Everyone ate and was satisfied, and, and their satisfied stomachs are pointing us to what Jesus really wants to do in them, to really wants to give them, and, and that is satisfied hearts. And you know what? Jesus is more than able to give them and you a, a satisfied heart. Think, think about the leftover baskets. Why is that detail so important? I mean, yes, it's amazing that Jesus was able to do uh, so much, feed them even more than they needed. But you know what? It's a, it's a symbol it's a sign of, of God's just overwhelming abundance in absolutely every way. If, if he can satisfy this crowd with a meal and have 12 baskets left over, then he can satisfy your heart 
with what you really need. There's more than enough of God's goodness and grace to go around, always. The imagery in this scene is so rich. I I already pointed out the Psalm 23 reference with people sitting down on the grass to receive uh, from from the shepherd. But notice how in verse 40, he divides them into groups of 50 and 100. Uh, Moses did the same thing back in his day. He divided up the people so that he could uh, judge them um, in a way that made made sense. And uh, so Jesus is sort of wearing the mantle of the prophet Moses here, if you like. He's leading the people of God. In in verse 41, Jesus looks up to heaven uh, to show the people that what they're about to receive is coming straight from the hand of God, just like when God sent the manna in the wilderness Um, or the bread from heaven. People ate it till they were full. Doing this, though, Jesus is, he's even better than Moses because Moses here uh, had to, you know, petition God for the bread, where Jesus just thanks God for the bread. He doesn't have to ask for it because he is God, and he is the creator who is able to provide. He just says thank you to God and then gives, as the shepherd, he gives what we need. So we've established here that Jesus is the good shepherd, that we have everything that we need through him, that he helps us, lets us sit down in green pastures to eat. Now he's about to lead his disciples and us to the quiet waters. Let's see how that pans out for Jesus and his disciples. Verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, uh, to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. So, again, here, classic Mark, he keeps the action going immediately. As soon as they'd eaten, uh, he tells his disciples to get back in the boat. The boys' weekend had not gone exactly as planned, but it was pretty good, though, right? I mean, Jesus just did this amazing miracle. Uh, And so Jesus now, he sends the boys off in the boat and he stays behind to say goodbye to the crowds and says, I'll catch up with you guys later. Um, Then he goes off to pray and he prays, spends time with the Father long into uh, the night. I wonder what he was praying uh, in those moments. We don't really know. Mark doesn't tell us. Uh, But I'd like to think that he was praying for the disciples by name, all of them at that moment praying that they would come to see and understand and believe. Um, It becomes apparent in this section just how much they did not get. They did not know who he was and what he was really on about. When Jesus finishes praying, he sees the boat out on the lake and he sees them struggling in the wind. And he goes to them and he's walking on the the surface uh, of the lake. And that was not a normal experience for the disciples. It was not part of the weekend plans. Um, and just like us, they see a guy walking on the water and they're pretty freaked out. Uh, this is, does not happen every day. And so they're thinking this must be a ghost or some kind of a magic trick. Um, 
I don't reckon they'd seen a ghost before. So Mark tells us in verse 50 that they were just how much they were freaking out. But then Jesus calms their fears. He calms their fears with the the words, have courage, it is I. Um, Which sounds kind of like a a old English or a strange way of speaking. We don't go around saying, it is I. You know, we normally say, it's it's me. That's the correct uh, grammar. But Jesus says, it is I. But you know what? That wasn't intentional. Uh, most scholars here say that it wasn't a slip of the tongue. You know why? Because he's referencing the name that God gave to Moses. When Moses asked God, what's your name? He said, if you know the story, I am who I am, or I am that I am. That's the name that God gave to himself. And so when Jesus says, it is I, what he's, he's, he's doing is saying, you know what? I am who I am. I'm the one who made the molecules in the water. I'm the creator. I'm the one who has been here from the beginning. And so again, as soon as he approaches them and as soon as he gets in the boat, the wind dies down, the water grows calm. Once again, second time this has happened. And yet the disciples still just don't understand what is going on. It says their hearts were hardened. It's tragic. It says the disciples were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Meaning that if they had understood about the loaves, if they've seen those, recognized Jesus as the good shepherd, as the Lord who was David's shepherd, if they knew that, they, they wouldn't have been terrified at all. They, they would, you know, they'd seen Jesus walking on the water and say, of course, you made all of this. This is not unusual. But it said their hearts were hardened. What were they afraid of? Well, they were afraid of death. Uh, you know, it's the fear that comes, underlies all of our fear. They're afraid of dying. And so in that moment, they thought they were going to die, and, and that's all that they could see. Um, they couldn't see Jesus, the great I Am, standing in front of them, the name above all names, the one who knew their name and was able to save them. They needed Him more than they needed food, more than they needed life itself, but they couldn't see it. And we don't always see it either. I don't always see it either. You know, the crowds, the crowds here, it's interesting. They kind of ironically, they see uh, who, who Jesus is and, and they see how much they need him. That's why they always flock to him like, like sheep flock to water. So let's look at this in the last, rest of the chapter, verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to a shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. And what they do, they start flocking. They hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe, and everyone who touched it was healed. That's how the boys' weekend finishes up. Jesus is back with the crowds. He's healing sick people. Now, before long, the disciples are going to understand just how epic this weekend really was, but they're not there yet. Um, Jesus is the shepherd who has provided everything that they needed at every moment, and he will provide everything that you need at every moment. He's the one who makes you lie down in green pastures to be satisfied, who leads you beside quiet waters when you're afraid. That's who he is in your day-to-day life. He's the one who comforts you in his presence so you can rest in him. You know, even when stuff doesn't go according to plan. 
Now, there's two other takeaways from this section of Mark that I want to leave with you uh, to kind of chew on this week. And here they are. Number one, being with God, being with God is better for you than doing stuff for God. And secondly, God did not pick you his sheep because of your great skill or potential, but because he loved you. So let's start with the first one. Being with God is better for you than doing stuff for God. Again, Psalm 23. Though I go, th- I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Being with God is always better than doing stuff for God. Uh, the disciples at the very beginning of the passage today, you know, they're going through the highlight reel of all the things that they had done for God, and they were pretty impressed with themselves. And we can be pretty impressed with ourselves too, of the, the, you know, the good things, the amazing things, the risky things that we do. But what we come to see is that the best thing that we get to do in this life is just to be with the shepherd. By the end of the passage, you see the disciples, their hearts are still hard. They don't see who Jesus is but they need to spend time with them. The answer that they need, what they need, isn't to go out and do more stuff for Jesus, is to spend more time with him, which is exactly what they're going to do as, the, as Mark's narrative unfolds. And their faith is going to grow stronger every minute that they spend with him. <clears throat> Listen, friends, you can be super successful in ministry. You can have a great reputation in church or in the world for doing great things or for being a good person. You can be a great teacher. You can be a great host. You can, uh, you know, do all sorts of things. But none of these things is a guarantee that your heart really knows God. None of it. None of it will prevent you from having a hard heart. The only true medicine for the heart is to spend time with the one who made you in his image. It's the most important thing about you. I've been listening to some of the tributes for um, Brother Ravi Zacharias, who went to be with Jesus this week, and that was, you know, the clip that kept going over and over in my in my news feeds of, of him saying the most significant thing about you is that you were created by God in His image, and so the most important thing that you can do in any given moment is to spend time with the One who made you. That's what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see here. And they don't see it. They, they will. They will eventually, just not yet. And what about you? How, how are you making intentional time to spend with your creator, to spend with your shepherd, to feast on his word, to gather with his people, to talk to him and listen to him in prayer, to know just how much he loves you? Now, that leads me to takeaway number two. I said God didn't pick you as a sheep because of your great skill and potential, but because of his unbelievable love for you. God is, is not like the captain of the, the, you know, the dodgeball team in PE class where he's like, you know, I, we could use a little bit more height, so we'll pick you, and use a little bit more agility, so I'll pick her. And you know, God picks us in spite of our non-existent skill and our non-existent potential. We're dead in our sins. The only thing we contribute to our own salvation is the sin that made it necessary. And God says, because I love you, I pick you. That's why he chose the disciples. 
often through the Gospels, they are the kind of the last people to get it. They are stubborn and slow and hard-hearted, and yet Jesus chose them. And because he chose them, their hearts are going to soften. Their hearts are going to be transformed. And they will end up doing amazing things for God, but not before they spend significant time with Jesus and repenting of the hardness of their hearts. It's a process. The boys' weekend, it ended up being the best time and the best feed they could have possibly had because they were feeding on Jesus. They were with him. They were watching him act. They were listening to him teach. And there's nothing better than spending time with the shepherd, even if it's unpredictable. Well, it's always unpredictable. So what are you doing to spend time with him? How are you changing your schedule? Psalm 23 isn't just a nice idea. If you train yourselves in the habits of grace, then you will learn and grow to be more satisfied in Jesus than in anything else. Whether your stomach is empty or full, whether life is going according to plan or not, he makes you lie down and rest. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you, so you don't have to fear. Come and feast on the bread of his words and drink from the water of his love and mercy. Would you let him lead you and shepherd you like this? Let's pray for us all now. Lord God, you are our shepherd. And because you are our shepherd, there is nothing that we lack. We have everything that we need. Help us to believe that in the real, in the depths of our being. When we think about the things that we lack, we get tripped up by that. Lord, and, and, and it's, it's, it's hard. We know you have compassion. We, like you had compassion for your disciples. You had compassion for the crowds. You have compassion for us. Lord, but help us to see that the, 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 the one thing that we need more than anything else is to know you and to be known by you, to, to spend time in your presence, to hear and believe your words and discover and receive life in your name. Lord, thank you that you've made this life available to all who believe in you. So I pray if there are those who are listening today who don't yet know you, who don't yet believe in you, Lord, that they would come to know and believe and see. You would open their eyes, save them, adopt them into your family as your son, as your daughter, Lord, and that they would taste and see your goodness, that they would have that life, that they would know that their sins are forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Lord, come now. And be the shepherd of our souls that you are. Help us to receive from your hand life, joy, goodness, abundance. Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.